Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. What a sweet presence of the Lord is in the house today. And we know why. Because the Bible says when we worship Him, He comes in. He's here. And there's more going on in this room that we cannot see than what we can see. And there is the supernatural. We don't live in that realm. We couldn't stand to completely live in that realm. But it's there. And there have been angels that have been commissioned to this service. They're lining the walls, ready to minister. And sometimes we're so busy and we're in a hurry and we want it to be done and get what we're supposed to get and get out of here because we got things to do that we don't stop long enough just to feel the presence of the Lord. He's here. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. That's why people will make a decision to walk to the altar and to make wise choices rather than to go out the door because he's drawing them. It's not the preacher. It's not the message. It's not how good it's delivered. That takes all the pressure off. It has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with you and I lifting him up and then he says, come on, today's your day. No man comes unless he draws them. I love being with you. Those of you who were not here last time, I'm happy to get to know you very quickly. And I hope that you will know my heart right away so we don't take a long time to decide if you like me. Because if you don't, it's okay because I'm leaving as soon as, as soon as we're done here. <laughs> but I want you to love me because we're going to spend eternity together. That's a long time. And my motive today is, is pure. This is my life. I have moved to Evansville, Wisconsin. I grew up in the state of Ohio. I lived 10 years in Tennessee. That's why I have this little thing going on I can't get rid of. Maybe if I hang out here long enough, I will. I uh, have always loved the state of Wisconsin. I ministered 27 years this year for Brother Grant in Madison. And... Every single year I got in that pulpit from the first year that I came and said, I always feel like I'm coming home. I mean, I'm in 45 churches at least per year. I don't say that every weekend. I would make that statement and then I would say, I've always felt like I would retire in Wisconsin. And now here I am. In the latter years of my life, I have nine grandchildren. And the miraculous thing was my daughter, who was born and raised in Ohio, magically married a young man from Brother Grant's church. And they've been here 11 years. God was already setting it all up. He put that love in my heart for Wisconsin. And I am just, always feel like I'm at home. And it was a privilege when I got to meet 
these precious people, the Kylies, for the first time. I think Brother Meyer may have been the one to hook us up. I'll be in New Berlin next weekend with them. And uh, I just regret that I didn't get to know them a long time ago because they feel like family and they are awesome people. And Brother and Sister Cordell, I just want you to know that I've fallen in love with you. And this is God's will that you're coming into this place, this position. I'll just say that publicly. If, if anybody is, and I, I just feel led of the Holy Ghost, okay? If anybody's struggling at all, let me help you with something. If you made up your mind to follow Brother Kylie all the way to heaven, Pastor Kylie has led you well. And he will get you all the way to heaven. And you made up your mind, I'm going to do what he says because he's my pastor. That's the way that, that goes. It's called submission. Then if Pastor Kylie said, no, Brother Cordell's not the next man. We're going to wait on God and there's somebody else. Then I would say, okay, get tied in knots about it. But he didn't say that. He said, this is the man. So why wouldn't you follow his lead on this as well? Somebody just said, ouch, I felt it in the Holy Ghost. Okay, I'll mind my own business now. But the Holy Ghost wanted me to tell you, just give it up, relax, follow this man. He'll get you all the way to heaven, he and his precious wife. God is in it. Everything's okay. People don't like change. I understand. I sleep in at least three to five beds per week. People don't like change. I get to sleep in my own bed tonight. Hallelujah. But you know what? Change is real good for us because it keeps us young. So just go with the flow. Let Jesus direct, okay? Psalm 51. Will you turn there in your Bibles? I understand we don't have screens today. Something blew up up there. We need to just pray and ask God to fix it. Because when stuff, when stuff blows up that's electronic, it usually costs a lot. So Lord, touch it. But you know what? It kind of takes us back to the days that a lot of us remember. We never had screens. We just carried our Bible with us to church. We all looked up the scripture with the pastor. So let's do that today. Psalm 51. And I'm going to read verses 1 through 12. Thank you, Sister Kylie, for the fruit basket, for the lovely room. Thank you for your kindness to me. The meals, Brother Cordell, that have been provided, all your kindness to me. Thank you. I love this church. And today as I minister, it's important to me that you know my pastor knows where I am. I'm under his covering. I'm stepping into the anointing of these two great men today and the other ministering brethren of this church. And I submit myself under your authority. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, the only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. 
Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thine Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. We will stop there, but I encourage you to read on later and finish that psalm. This is a true picture of what repentance looks like. Repentance is not, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I won't do it again and going back out this week and doing the same things over and over. That's willful sin. The Bible says that when we go back, it is like a dog returning to its vomit. When we willfully sin, the Bible says we crucify him afresh. We hang him on the cross again. That's serious, isn't it? But like David, who had transgressed against his God, we can repent, really repent, and turn away from our sin. The Bible said he's faithful and just to forgive us. I want to draw your attention to that last verse, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. When you are living in sin, when you're hiding sin, when you're wrestling with sin, you have no joy. So today, if you are not joyful, take a look at your heart because you don't have joy when you're wrestling with God. David said, restore to me the joy of my salvation. I love that word restore. Today, I'm gonna talk to you on this subject for just a little while, something better. Turn to your neighbor and say, something better. And you may be seated. Who wouldn't want something better? All of us desire something better. All of us like that word restore. But I want to draw your attention to the definition of restoration. Restoration is the act of returning something to a former owner, place, or condition. So when the world is talking about Webster's definition of restoring, an example would be the man was in poor health. But after visiting the doctor and taking his medication, his health had been restored, okay? So what that means is he once had good health. He got a disease or a sickness. He got some help and his health was restored again. So he went back to what he was, right? He was once healthy, now he's ill, now he's healthy again. That is the defining 
uh, moment of restoration. When you're returned to health, you're back to where you were. You take an old dresser and, and you sand it down and you paint it and put knobs on it and it's restored back to a usable dresser. That's the world, world's definition of restoration. And I want to give you some synonyms for restoration. Repairing, fixing, mending, rebuilding, refurbishing, reconditioning, rehabilitation, reconstruction, redevelopment, overhaul, renovation, all familiar words. Do you know that right now there are over 300 television programs across the world on restoring and renovating? People have gotten into this thing of restoring something, flip this house, extreme makeover, the fix, home improvement, etc., etc. It's become a hobby. They call it shabby chic. I like that. That's what I am. Mostly shabby, but maybe a little chic. <laughs> I went to a flea market. I was looking for something to make a farm look in my dining room. I, I live out in Evansville, rural Wisconsin, you know, and there's farms here to yawn. Uh, I love Wisconsin because of that. The, the beautiful green that stays all, well, until it's covered with white, <laughs> but it does, the, the grass doesn't burn up in the summer like it does everywhere else. And, and, and I just love it, you know. You, how many places can you live that you just, on your way to church, you can see a sheep farm, a yak farm, a dairy farm, a chicken farm. I, I mean, it, it's awesome. And so I'm doing my dining room in this shabby chic, this farm look. And I was looking for like something to do, to do pictures on with little clothespins, you know, little snapshot pictures. And, and, I, and I went to a, a, an antique place and here was a, a shutter, a window shutter. I mean, it had six kinds of paint on it. It, it was peeling. There, there were no knobs there. I mean, it, it was just really bad. The hinges were rusted black. It, it was terrible. It was laying on the ground and I thought, well, maybe I can do something with that. I can restore that. I picked it up, $40. What we used to throw away, now you can get lots of money for. I, d I didn't buy it at $40. I just couldn't make myself buy something that I've thrown away. Um, but you see, that's what the world is doing. And the picture they have painted for us is that you just take something old and fix it up and it's back to its normal state. It's usable again. But if we're not careful, we apply that to our walk with God. And we will need to understand today that when God gets a hold of a life, he doesn't just put it back the way it was, but he always makes it better. Everything he touches turns out better. Everyone he touched in the word, they came back healed and whole. There was not one person that walked away that wasn't better. And it's the same way today. If you let him touch your life, you'll be better. What will be better? Everything. Your behavior, your health, your finances, your relationships. Everything will be better. Some people just don't trust that. They, they won't try it out. Some people deceive themselves. Well, I've been coming to church all this time and, and nothing's any better. Well, are you just attending or are you giving it your all? 
If you're giving it your all, it will get better, I promise you. He never leaves anything the same way. It's always better. I'm gonna tell you a little story today. Of, of course, I, I'm a storyteller. And this story happened to me. I told you before I was a little girl with a lot of energy. I was raised by parents who were older when they had me. And so I pretty much raised myself. They were, they were tired of raising children. And, and I had, um, I'm sure, attention deficit disorder with hyperactivity before they knew what it was. And, and so I had to be busy. I'm still very busy. I have to be kept busy. And I would take something like, for instance, I had a lovely little clock radio, pink radio by my bed, you know, plug-in clock radio, one of the newer ones. I'd gotten it for Christmas. And much to my parents' dismay, it was dismantled all over my bed, all the pieces, because I just wanted to see what was inside. My parents spent a lot of time saying, why did you do that? Parents don't ask kids that crazy question. They don't know why. And mostly that, that was my answer. I don't know. I just did. And you remember the old toy that you turned the knobs and it played music? And, and something went around in there like this. It was like a, a baby's TV set. New, new t, you know, it was a toy and you turned the knobs and it played music. And that rotated around and around in there. And I had one of those when I was little. Well, I kind of outgrown it. I still had it in my toy box. And one day I, I got that out and it played Mary Had a Little Lamb. And it had Mary and the lambs would follow her and the next scene would be the school and, and, and you know, and so on. And I thought that was so unique. But, you know, there's just only so much you can do with that. And so I got a hammer and, and I got a screwdriver and, and I want to get the sheep out of there. <laughs> And I, I remember, you know, the horror when my parents found out. And, you know, and I was so disappointed. It was just a piece of paper rolling around in there. They weren't real sheep. That's just to tell you, that, that's just how it was. And I had more ideas than my parents could possibly keep up with. And so they never knew what was going to happen next. And I had decided that my lifelong career... I was going to do something that would make my family so proud. I was going to be on stages across the world as a world-renowned ventriloquist. Because there was a show on television with a man that had a little puppet, a dummy, called Howdy Doody. How many of you remember Howdy Doody? Some of you don't, and I had a picture of Howdy Doody I was going to show you, but, but the computer's not working. But some of you, if you don't know, you can look him up. He's very creepy looking. <laughs> he had red hair and freckles and big eyes. And, yeah, and, and so this man could put this, this dummy on his arm and put his hand up in there and pull a little string or move the mouth. And you see, a ventriloquist can talk with a smile on their face and make it sound like that dummy is talking. They can throw their voice. And you never know by looking at them. And I had made up my mind. That's what I'm going to do for my, my career in life. I'm going to be on Hee Haw. <laughs> I made that announcement to my parents. I'm going to star on Hee Haw. I'm going to be a ventriloquist. That's nice. 
well, Dad, I need a howdy-doody doll. I need it right away so I can start practicing. My dad said, those are things are over $100. We are not buying a howdy-doody doll. I am sorry. You'll, ha- you'll have to think up another career. We're not doing that. Oh, I was so disappointed. All of my hopes dashed to the ground. I moved on to something else. I had a let's find a solution for pollution club. I made up flyers and went door to door. We had a theme song. I charged all the children in the neighborhood a quarter to belong to my club. I had moved on to greater things. Christmas was coming. I decided what toy I wanted for Christmas. I wanted a doll that had just come out. Her name was Mrs. Beasley. Mrs. Beasley was Buffy's doll on Family Affair. And it was intriguing to me because Mrs. Beasley was a grandma doll. Most people in my life that were adults were aggravated with me all the time. I didn't really have grandparents growing up because my parents were older. And and so I just thought that would be wonderful to have a grandma doll that always talks sweetly to you. When you pulled her strings, she said, may I read you a story? Would you like a drink of water? Can I rock you to sleep? She was so soothing. And I thought, I, I need that doll. I, 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 need, I need Mrs. Beasley. So I started the process of wearing my parents down. I, I need her. You, if you give me that, I'll never ask for anything else again as long as I live. You know the drill. Please, Daddy. Every store, I would run to the toy department and grab her up and bring that box. See, this is what she looks like. Christmas is coming, I need her. And I'd wear that string out in the store listening to her. My dad said, I don't know, baby. That doll costs $30. That's a lot of money. And, you know, we didn't have a lot of money. Dad worked two jobs. He worked in a factory during the day. And at night, he worked at a a gas station running a wrecker. and, And, you know, times were hard. We were poor, but we didn't know it. We ate a lot of spam and eggs. We didn't, we didn't know. Kid, you know, kids don't know. But I wanted that doll. And dad usually tried very hard to get what we asked for. Christmas came. Much to my delight, there she was in all of her glory on Christmas morning. I was so excited, I cried tears. Thank you, Daddy. Oh, thank you for Mrs. Beasley. I love her. This is what I always wanted all my life. Thank you. I ripped her out of that box and began pulling that cord. Mrs. Beasley talked all day and most of the night. (laughs) She laid right in the center of my bed. She was so dear to me and I loved her. And Christmas was over, the decorations were down and dad set me down for a little talk. I don't want you to take Mrs. Beasley outside and play with her in the dirt. I don't want you to cut all of her hair off I don't want you to draw red cheeks or brighten her lips with a magic marker. I don't want you to destroy this doll. You see those things that happened before. I want you to keep her nice. She cost $30 with something you really wanted. You're old enough now at six years old to start taking care of things. 
So I want you to take care of your doll. Yes, Daddy, I will. I promise, Dad. I'll take good care of her. School was not back in session, and we were still on Christmas break, and Dad went to work, and my sisters were busy, and there I was, a six-year-old with nothing to do, and I had another dream, another plan, another bright idea. I slipped into the kitchen and opened the drawer where the steak knives were. I took out a sharp steak knife and stuck it down in my jean skirt pocket. I opened the drawer where the pens and pencils and scissors were and took out the bright, shiny, red-handled scissors, sharp that I was not allowed to use, and stuck them in my other skirt pocket. I went down the hallway very quietly so as not to be noticed because a plan was in motion. I got Mrs. Beasley and laid her on the gurney. Because today, I was going to be a world-renowned surgeon. I laid her on the bottom of my bed, and I took that knife, and I laid her on her tummy, and the back of her head, I made a hole with that knife. And I took the scissors and cut a square, a perfect square, out of the back of her head. I laid that square over on the bed and I flipped her over on the gurney. And I took that steak knife and I poked it in the corner of her mouth. And I ripped it across to her ear. Oops. I meant to stop at the corner of her mouth. I took the scissors and knife back into the kitchen so as not to be discovered, put them away safely, came back to my room, shut the door, and, and there I had my project. Because I would not need howdy duty now. I had Mrs. Beasley. I set her up on my arm and I practiced all day long with my hand in the back of her head. My fingers down inside those tight rubber lips that wouldn't move. I looked in that mirror all afternoon, grinning from ear to ear. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I'm so glad you're here today. I had a complete drama, a show done by dinner time. I was ready to perform not only on Hee Haw, but across stages all over the world as a great ventriloquist. We ate dinner, I could hardly wait. My heart was just beating out of my chest. I couldn't wait to show dad and mom I was gonna have to do it right after dinner because I just couldn't hold it any longer. I just wanted to tell them, you don't have to buy me howdy duty because I already fixed it. I, I got it, my own ventriloquist doll. Mom and dad went into their chairs. Mom was sitting in her rocker crocheting doilies. She was always crocheting handkerchiefs and doilies. My dad had read the paper and it was flopped over to the side and his feet were up in the recliner. He was already snoring. See, when you grow up in a home with older parents, it's like living in a nursing home. <laughs> if it wasn't done before 7.30, it wasn't done. <laughs> I came into the room with Mrs. Beasley in my arms. 
And I said, Daddy, Mama, wake up. Watch, watch, I got a show for you. This was a very common thing for shows to go on. I have a show for you. Watch this. This is the coolest thing. Watch this. I put Mrs. Beasley up on my arm. I put my hand in the back of her head. And I said, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I'm so glad you're here tonight. And the room fell silent. And the next thing I remember, my mama took the doily she was working on. She made, she made this hanky right here. And she put her face in that doily and she began to cry. And kerbang, the, the foot part of the recliner went down. And daddy sat up on the end of that recliner and he said, What in the world have you done? He took Mrs. Beasley out of my hand and he flipped her over and he saw that hole in the back of her head. That slid all the way to her ear. He said, what have you done? Don't you remember what I told you? When I asked you to take care of this, that it cost a lot. And I said, please don't destroy it. And I warned you we had that talk. Yes, Daddy, I remember. You see, Jesus hung on an old rugged cross to buy our salvation. And every time we come to church and we hear these precious people deliver the word of God, these men of God that have wept over your souls, that have asked God, what do you want me to tell them today? And we get the warning and they say, don't do it. And, and please follow after Christ. Live a repentant life. Get yourself in the altar and pray through. Don't do it. Guidelines. They're all right here. But yet, like a little child, but I, I wanted, but I wanted to be a ventriloquist, but I wanted to do it my way, but, 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 and we come to our Savior with the same excuses when he said, please take care of this so great a salvation. Please be watchful over your soul. Please keep your heart clean. Please don't waller in the mud with the sinners. Please live a consecrated life. How many times did the Lord look down upon us and say, didn't I tell you that would get you in a heap of trouble? But you do it anyway. I didn't have words. I remember, I, I mean, I was only six years old. But you see, a six-year-old is, no, is old enough to have a conscience and know right from wrong. And immediately I felt so bad. All I could say was, I'm sorry, Daddy. I'm sorry, Daddy. I'm sorry to listen I realized the ramifications of it all. Mrs. Beasley would never be the same. I, I destroyed her. People make messes of their life and pay the consequences because they destroy what God meant to be beautiful. 
And you don't do it alone. You have the enemy of your soul that would like nothing better than to get his head hand in your head to think for you. A dummy doesn't think for itself. Daddy, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, Daddy. I know I shouldn't have done it. I should have listened. I'm sorry. Forgive me, Daddy. It wasn't, I'm afraid I'll be in trouble. A lot of people call it repentance, and it's just, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Oh, no. It has to be, I'm sorry, because I know what I've done, and I know I'm crucifying him afresh. And I know he paid the price for my sin. Purge me with hyssop that I might be clean. Make me whiter than snow. A picture of repentance is not, I'm sorry, because I got caught. I was weeping. My mom had not looked up. She was still crying. My dad took Mrs. Beasley and I heard him go out the back door and I heard the old metal trash can lid kerbang. He threw Mrs. Beasley away. Go to your room. Get ready for bed and go to bed. Yes, Daddy. I slept fitfully. A six-year-old usually sleeps soundly, but I did not. And morning came. When morning came, I was filled with dread. That's how the sinner lives. Filled with dread. If you wake up in the morning and you don't want to face another day, then you hadn't found something better yet. A Christian has hope. Today's a good day because he made it. No matter what you're going through, we have hope. We know he's with us. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. Don't live life the hard way. Make up your mind. I'm going to give him all I've got. I was filled with dread. I pulled on my clothes. I walked down that hallway. Seemed longer today to the kitchen. I was ready for whatever was going to happen, the judgment that was going to fall, the angry words. And in my little immature mind, I really believed, okay, today's the day they're going to, they're, they're, they're going to give me away. My sister always told me they found me on a log in the backyard. And one day they were going to take me to an orphanage and get rid of me. I was just waiting for that day. This will be the day I really did it this time. I was just near tears walking down that hallway. I walked into the kitchen with my head down. I, I thought, okay, it's really coming now. It's, it's over. They're, they're done with me. I sat down. I pulled my, my chair out quietly. I sat down in my little place at the table. And my mom turned around. She was frying bacon and eggs. Then she turned around. There's a big smile on her face. And she said, baby, how would you like your eggs today? How many pieces of bacon you think you can eat? Are you hungry? Daddy had a big smile on his face. Come on, baby, sit down. You want orange juice or milk? Daddy will pour it for you. We're going to have a great day today. We got a family day plan. We're going to do some great things today. Not one word was mentioned. Why? Because it was over. After repentance, it's over. 
It's forgotten. It's done. My parents gave me a gift that day. Because from that day to this, not even in telling family stories, Mrs. Beasley was never mentioned again. That awful thing was never brought up again. My parents chose to forget what happened. We have a maker that when we come in real repentance, he forgets what we did. It's behind us. It's over. I'm talking about restoration. Real restoration makes it as if it never happened. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I sat there at that table and ate my breakfast. And I, I was overwhelmed with the love my parents had for me. That they would choose to overlook what I had done and just go right on. Some of you have never forgiven yourselves for things you've done in your past. You won't let go. When God already forgave you, And every time you bring that same thing to the altar and you say, Lord, I'm sorry that when I was young, I did drugs. I'm I'm sorry that I I was a drunk. I'm I'm sorry I hurt other people. I'm sorry I betrayed my wife. I'm sorry I I walked out on my husband and children. I'm sorry I did this. All those things that are in your past. When you say that to God, he says, I don't know what you're talking about. He chooses to forget. It's time for some of you to forget your past and go forward and understand the unconditional love of your maker, your father, who always gives you something better. He's ready for you to turn the page and live a victorious life, a new life in Christ Jesus. He's ready to give you something better, but you tie his hands when you keep looking in the past. Life went on. It was never mentioned again. I suffered a loss at my own choosing. But you see, God is in the restoration business. Let me tell you, you've lost something in your life. You're hurting, you're broken. God is in the restoration business. And he's not just going to give you back what you had. He's going to give you something better. Always. So you're blaming God and you don't like it that this hurt has come and this pain, this thing that came out of nowhere and you don't understand. Listen, it's not the end of the story yet. Sometimes it takes just a little while and we have to adjust our attitude accordingly and hold on to hope every day. He said it would be better. You need to put those words into action. Start living like it's getting better. He said he would heal my body. It's getting better. I've had conditions in my body that I asked God for healing. I said, body, obey your maker in the name of Jesus. I cannot travel with this affliction. Now, God, I'm counting on you to heal my body. And I believe you for it. And then the symptom would come back. And when the symptom came back, I laid my hand on myself again. And I said, in the name of Jesus, I am healed and I am whole. And this is going in Jesus' name. 
And then the symptom came back. And I said, in the name of Jesus, this is a lie from the enemy. I am healed and I am whole. And God has given me something better. It's almost done in the name of Jesus. Till on up the road, I don't have any symptoms. I forgot all about it. Sometimes the healing takes a little while. Takes the doctor a long time to heal you. So, well, I'll just go to the doctor and get some medicine. Well, it won't be a quick fix. Healings take a long time. God does them sometimes through, through the medical profession. Takes a long time. Now, sometimes it gives you a miracle. It's instant. But why would we not tap into what we have, the resources that we have, when he said, I will restore, I will make it new, I will give you something better. It's a better life living for God. Time passed. Would you come to the keyboard and give these people hope? And Mrs. Beasley was never mentioned. And I had learned something from that lesson about destroying things that cost somebody something. Even a six-year-old could learn that. And as I grew older, I realized that that lesson in life also applied to my heart. As I said on the front row, little nine-year-old chubby freckle-faced girl, my Sunday school teacher said, we're not having class today. We're going in the sanctuary. I said, oh no, I want to glue cotton balls on a lamb. I want to have a snack. She said, no, we're going in the sanctuary. There I was on the end of the front row trying to use my greatest self-control when Brother Billy Cole came in on that platform. I never seen a man so big he sat in three folding chairs. But on that Sunday morning, the Lord began to talk to a little nine-year-old girl about restoration. Because in the shape we're born in, whether you're six or 96, you need restored. I just started crying sitting on that front seat. Jesus, I'm sorry for the bad things I've done. Please clean out my dirty heart. Now you don't have to make this thing so hard. Little childlike prayer will do. Please show me the way. I want to go to heaven. I don't want to go down with the devil. I'm so sorry. And on that Sunday morning, I learned that Jesus always gives you something better. Because the moment I ask him with one sweep of his hand he cleaned out my heart the Bible says sin sin will make a mess oh yeah where does it say that sister Oliver when sin is finished brings forth death doesn't always mean you'll drop dead 
Oh, you will eventually die. But the death of relationships, of a career, of a marriage, of a family, of a ministry. That's what sin does. But God wants to give you something better. I found out he, he didn't just clean out that heart and then say, here you go. Got y'all fixed up here. No. The Bible says he takes away that old stony heart. Why? Because he has something better. A picture of something better. See, that sin, is, it's still right there until you go down in the water in Jesus' name. Then all that disappears. And then he gives you the gift of a brand new heart. Sitting on the end of that front row, nine years old, Jesus gave me my brand new heart. He said, here you go. Here's something better. On the front row, I, I felt my lip and tongue start wiggling a little bit. And when my mouth started wiggling like that, I tried to say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And when I opened my mouth, thank you, Jesus, didn't come out. Strange sounds, words in another language. I jumped up and the Holy Ghost was in my hands and it was in my feet. It'll go wherever you'll let it. When I opened my eyes, I was back by the glass door. I didn't even know how I got there because I found something better. And all of these years, it's just kept getting better and better and better. Hallelujah. Don't go out of here without the Holy Ghost. Don't run out the door today. Run to the front. Men, women, and children. He wants to give you something better. I ministered this message, a form of it, in another church. Jesus filled people with the Holy Ghost. There were people baptized. There were people restored. I went home, and a lovely couple called and said we talked to our pastor and we asked him if we could have you to our home they lived a little over an hour away from me hour and a half w would you come I said sure I put it on my calendar and it was on a Thursday night I'm usually leaving every Friday coming home every Monday I put it on my calendar a few weeks in advance and when the night came I was encouraged and excited to go to their beautiful home. I, I walked into their humble home full of the Holy Ghost. I'd rather have the Holy Ghost in my house than expensive things. We talked and we laughed and we reminisced and so on. And in a little while I saw him look at her and her look at him and they did a little body language. There was a little nod and he got up and left the room and, and I knew something was going on. He came back in and he said, 
Sister Oliver, when you ministered at our church, the Lord spoke to me. He said, and I obeyed the Lord. And I, I want you to, to have this. He gave me this gift bag and I opened it up with them watching me. And when I opened the bag, the Lord spoke to me. He said, this is a picture of restoration. Because I'm holding Mrs. Beasley after 50 years. Remember I said sometimes it takes a little while, but he never fails. And the Lord talked to me all the way home after I shed lots of tears and hugged their necks and thanked them so very much for the sacrifice. And on the way home, the Lord began to talk to me about something better. See, he didn't give me the Mrs. Beasley out of the trash can with a hole in the back of her head and a, a slit in her mouth and a bad memory to go along with it. That would have been miraculous in itself, but that's not the way he works. You see, I got something better because Mrs. Beasley my original Mrs. Beasley was worth $30 plus tax. But this Mrs. Beasley is worth $300. When God gets done with your life, it'll be worth so much more. There'll be people when you pass away that will remember something better I've stood at the graveside and so have you of people that lived their whole life for the devil I've stood there with two other people no one was there because their life was a shambles the devil had complete control. They wasted, threw it away. And then I've been there when people have given their life to God. And all of the people that wanted to commemorate their life couldn't even fit in the building. Something better. When he gets done with you, you'll be something better. Your life will be better. Let him take away your old stony heart and give you a brand new heart. Would you stand? If you have never spoken with other tongues, 
you do not have the baptism of the Holy Spirit I would like for you to come don't be embarrassed we've all had to come we all had to step out and say you know what I want something better would you come and stand across the front come on honey you can be the first one she started a minute ago to run up here and somebody stopped her that's the way we need to be I want this there are people there are adults in this building you don't have the Holy Ghost Jesus wants to fill you today come it'll be so easy it'll just happen in a few moments he's going to give you something better don't make me come back there and get you come on anybody else that does not have the Holy Ghost children are there children without the Holy Ghost let them come if they want you to walk with them walk with them This is the family of God here. There's nothing to be frightened of. There, and, and you know, people make such a big issue out of making the decision. Move them on down in here. You know what? You make this decision today and you come and you decide you don't want this. The devil will take you back. So, wow, that's kind of harsh. It's true. It's absolutely true. Don't get so hung up on, well, I don't know if I want to make this decision. You know, this is, this is really important. Yes, it's important. It's very important. It's the most important thing you'll ever do in your life. But quit weighing up the cost. He paid the price. It's not going to cost you anything to walk up that aisle. Now, stand down on the floor. Get your hands out of your pockets. Eyes up here. Stand up. Stand up. This is serious. We're not here just because somebody wanted us to come. This is serious. Put your hands down. You can hug and pray when you get the Holy Ghost. You can talk in tongues together. Okay? All right. What adults up here need the Holy Ghost? Are there adults? All right. Sir, today. Ma'am, today. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. She doesn't? Okay. Look up here, baby. Eyes up here. The Lord wants to fill every one of you with the Holy Ghost. Every one of you. Not one of you is too young. Are there any other adults that are here that don't have the Holy Ghost? This precious man was willing to come. He, he was willing. What a beautiful thing. Hallelujah. All right, now, what I would like for some people with faith that can talk in tongues, that can get a hold of God, I want some of you people to move in behind this line right here. Come quickly. Don't hesitate. Ministry, altar people, people with faith. If you don't have faith and you don't believe God's going to give them the Holy Ghost, go eat a hamburger. We need faith up in here. Now, the rest of you in your seats, you have a choice. You can stretch your arm out towards them or you can come as well. Everybody ought to get a refilling today. All right. Now, the first thing we're going to do is close our eyes. Stand up. Close your eyes, everybody. Close your eyes. Use your self-control. Keep them closed. I'd like for everybody in this altar to close your eyes. Why? Because we're shutting out everything around us. We're not looking at anybody else. It's a lot easier to pray when you don't think people are looking at you. Okay? The second step is to lift your face. Lift your face. Now, if you have children up here, I know it's hard, but I want you to not touch them. I don't want you to let them do it on their own. 
It has to be their decision, okay? There you go. Lift your face. You're doing good. Why? Because Jesus wants to look into the face he made and into your heart. Lift your face. That's good. The next step is to raise both of your hands. Raise your hands. Keep them in your own space. Don't touch your neighbor. Lift your hands. That's good. You're doing great. You're doing so good. When you're a little kid and you want somebody to hold you, you lift your hands and say, hold me. Hold me, Mama. Hold me, Daddy. That's it. You're doing good. The last step is to use your voice. I want you to ask Jesus to clean out your heart. Can we do it all together? Lord, please forgive me if I've done anything I shouldn't have done. Lord, bring it to my mind so that I can confess it. I'm sorry, Jesus, for my sin. I'm sorry that I've fallen back into things I shouldn't do. Come on, let's do it as a body. Let's everybody cry out. I'm sorry, Jesus. I'm sorry. Please forgive me, Jesus. Please clean out my heart. Children, if you want the Holy Ghost, talk to Jesus. Use your mouth and talk to Jesus. I'm sorry, Jesus. Please forgive me. Open your mouth and talk to him. I love you, Jesus. I'm so sorry for the bad things I've done. And then the last step is to believe. Let's believe across this building. In the name of Jesus, I believe. I believe the Holy Ghost already moving. If you have the Holy Ghost... Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.